our neighbors. Um, we live in uh, Marion County, and Marion County is a pretty cool county for a couple reasons. Uh, first, it's um, central to pretty much everything, right? We can get to a lot of places in Florida relatively quickly. It's significantly cooler in temperature than where I'm from, which I love, so there's that. Uh, but then there's also this trail system that is massive in Marion County, right? There's a lot of trails. Who here knows how many trails exist in Marion County alone? Anybody? I don't know either. I just figured I'd ask you guys. Maybe somebody actually knew. Uh, no, I started to look it up. I started to Google it, and it's like I stopped counting. It's massive, right? This trail system is huge. There's all these different trails. You can take your family. You can go out. You can get bit by snakes. It's great, right? But I want you guys to help me out here for a second. What, describe a trail. What is a trail? A path, okay. She read the slide. Very nice job, Ms. Janet. Yeah, a path. Uh, give me some more characteristics of what a trail is. What makes, it, what, what makes it a trail and not just walking through the woods like a weirdo? The foundation, okay. So if, I'm, if I go into the woods and there is no path, what are the chances I'm going to make it out where I want to go? Yeah, breadcrumbs, right? We can do the Hansel and Gretel thing. Like, we can do that. But the reality of the situation is if we don't have a path, if we're not following a path, we're probably not going to go where we want to go, and we're going to run into snakes, gators, and boogers and all kinds of stuff that's going to get us, right? Now, in Marion County, even on the path, you might run into that stuff. But that's okay because you, you might actually see it coming. So we're, we're going to unpack this image of the path that Jesus' life was today, and that's the image that we really want you to hold tight to, okay? So be thinking about Jesus and his life and what he did and how we can emulate that path and how we can follow it, okay? So Jesus comes down, leads a sinless life, allows himself to be killed on the cross, resurrected, ascends up to heaven, the whole gospel message, right? We, we, under, we understand this. We've heard this before, right? But if we don't have that as the foundation of what this path is, everything else is busted. Then we're just kind of wandering all along ourselves, right? So we're going to spend the next probably 20 minutes or so learning that Jesus' life provides us the path to walk in light. So we're going to continue in 1 John chapter 4. You guys ready to do this? That's super weak. Come on. I know, I know, she, she, you guys are going to have to step up here. All right, so let's begin with the disciples' prayer. Our Father in heaven, you're going to join me, come on now. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Okay, so let, let's jump in real quick, right? So we're going to be in 1 John chapter 4. We're going to knock out these first six verses. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world... By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that is coming, and now it is already in the world. 
Verse 4, you are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. John can be kind of tough to follow, right? So real quick, just let's just get that out of the way, right? He kind of talks in circles. There's a lot of rephrasing. It can get a little bit difficult, but we need to understand the context of what he's dealing with. He's writing to the early church, and they have a couple of problems. So early church has some teachers that are coming in, some false teachers that are trying to pervert the gospel. They're trying to change Jesus's life death, resurrection, promise, return. They're trying to change that message, right? And while all that's happening, there's persecution. So you got Christians being killed for being Christians on top of the false prophet problem. So it's kind of a hairy time to be in the early church. And John's writing to them, and he says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, right? He says to test the spirits. We first need to understand that this path that we're talking about is built on Jesus's life, his message, his gospel. So it's super important that we understand what that gospel is because you're going to hear it perverted because it's been perverted since the beginning. God's word is always twisted, right? They always try to take it and turn it and then try to pervert it to what, what would be opposite of following Jesus. Anything added to Jesus's gospel is false. Jesus brings about our resurrection, nothing else. Godly teaching is built upon Jesus' gospel. He came as a man, he lived a sinless life, sacrificed himself for the sins of the world, and has promised to return for his bride, the church. As a new creation, we are adopted into God's family through Jesus. We are under his headship with different priorities. So look, look back at first four. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Love the image of that. Little children. Now, I'm looking in this room. None of us are exactly kids. But he's talking to us because this is old Uncle John talking to the group. Little children, follow God. Greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. Those false prophets that would pervert the gospel message, that would take it and try to change it and try to make it more about self than about Jesus, will always lose. Because greater is he that is in who? You, right? Than he who is in the world. That's a picture of our family at the Grand Canyon about a year and a half ago. Now, interesting, my son is a foot and a half taller than he is in that picture right now. Right? Uh, but that was us about 18 months ago. Now, the reason I share this picture with you is, have you ever had that thing where you watch another family in action and you're like, I don't get it. That doesn't make any sense to me. They talk weird to each other. They treat each other weird. That's not how I would talk to my kids or that's not how this would, like, I don't understand it at all. Well, if you watch my family for any amount of time, you probably feel that way, right? But it's a family dynamic thing. 
the reason that we don't understand how other people's families work is because we're not in that family. We, little children, are in God's family. To expect our neighbors, to expect those that we are called to reach, to really understand what it's like to follow God, to be on this path with him, without actually meeting Jesus, is crazy. They don't get it. It looks nuts. But for us, because we're in God's family, we are his little children, greater is he that is in us than he who is in the world, it makes sense. We know our Father's voice, and we follow it. The Holy Spirit changes the whole deal. So when we're trying to think about how we are to reach our neighbors, right, think about the fact that to our neighbors, this looks pretty weird. Meeting up on a Sunday morning to give up sleeping in, pretty weird. I don't know if it's worth that for a lot of, you know, for a lot of people. It doesn't make sense, but they don't know the Jesus that we know because godly teaching is built on Jesus' gospel. And without that, test the spirits. Think about what they're hearing. Think about the perversions that they're hearing. So let's play a little game here. I want you guys to put on your thinking caps. We do this in Kid Nation a lot. You ready? Put it on. Okay, put on, come on, let's do it. Put on your thinking caps. I want to see some hands. Let's do this. All right, think back to the last seven days. In the last seven days, think about some of the messages that our neighbors have been given that would be a perversion of Jesus' gospel. Think about how they've been inundated through social media, through regular media, through friends and neighbors, through everything you can fill in of a gospel that is false, that is about self and is about what they want, when they want, how they want. And then they look at our family dynamic and it makes no sense. But greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. We know what God is doing. He's not done yet. But having an understanding of what it looks like to them is super important. Let's move on to um, chapter 4, verse 7. Based on all of this, John begins in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever has been born of God and knows God, anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Verse 11, beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So, I know the draw here to hear about God's love and to go on autopilot. God loves you. Newsflash, right? But we got to really unpack this for a second. So the God of the universe who created all things is love. He existed prior to physical creation. Therefore, love existed before us. Before we were created, love existed in the Trinity of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, in community, loving one another. That existed before we came around. 
I was talking with Pastor Michael this week, and he was talking about how his kids saw some pictures about how there were pictures of the family before they were born, and it kind of blew their minds. Guys, it's not all about us. Love existed before us. Isn't that nuts? But then God created us, and we were super attractive, right? Super lovable, right? He creates man, and we're in the garden, and we're doing our thing, and we're like, okay, I know. Thanks for creating us, God. I'm going to do everything you told me not to do. Right? How lovable is that? I love, I love, love, love my wife. We've been best friends since third grade. We dated for three months and then got married. Wouldn't necessarily recommend that, but it's worked out for us. So, we, best friends, third grade, loved each other. Seriously, deeply loved each other. But that love came out for me of an admiration of watching her for years not care what anyone thought about her. It was never a care in the world what other people thought about her. She'd walk into a room. Everybody wanted to be around her. Everybody wanted to interact with her because she did not care what they thought. For years, this is who she was. And it was, it was super admirable. I, I love that about her. And then from that grew all of this other love and God did some crazy cool stuff. And it's a long story, not the point of this passage, but it began with admiration for me. For her, I assume it was admiration of my hair, but I don't know that. That was a weak laugh. That was, that's fine. But for God, for God, he loved you when you were unlovable. When you were sinful, when you were weak, when you were angry, when you were hurt, and when you were rat, when you were awful, he loved you first. His love existed before you were born. It's nuts. God's holy love fuels us. Look at how John lays this out, right? So he talks about testing the spirits. He's talking about, you know, we're on this path. We're following God, right? That's the whole idea of this book. We're following God. But then he begins, verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another. Everything goes back to that. Because back to the previous section, remember, here in the family, God's love makes sense. Outside of the family, God's love makes no sense. So if we're called to be on this path with Jesus, to follow this path, to walk behind him, to emulate him, that path goes through the wilderness, not around it. And now that we're in that wilderness, it's really, really hard. It can be really, really difficult to live a life and point people to Jesus who don't understand who he is, don't get it at all. So what does John say? Love one another. Love one another. Care for one another. Be there for one another. For love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. I am a, a retail sales manager. That's what I do. That's my nine to five, whatever you want to call it. My job is to develop and build salespeople. That's what I do. Something that I need to do constantly is I need to constantly explain the why behind a product or service that we're going to sell. Because if I can get my people to understand the why behind it, they'll do it. If you don't explain the why, no one cares about the how. They just won't listen, right? 
So explaining the why, explaining the why, explaining the why. So let's first think about for a second, what is God's why? His why is that he loves you. His why is that he cares for you. His why is that he saw the need that we had for salvation. He met that need for salvation, expecting nothing in return. It's a gift. God gave us that gift. That's his why. So how did he relay that why to his people? Because if you don't constantly explain the why, no one cares about the how. He had his son walk around with people and live with them. He had it documented. He had it put in his word. He gave you that word to look at this morning on a Sunday morning. And he equipped us to meet like we are now to then be reminded of God's love. Because we forget. God's holy love fuels us on this path that we're on. If, we don't, if we're not fueled by that love, we'll, we'll tend to kind of walk off that path. Why walk in light if I don't get why? If I forget the why, why, why am I even doing it? We need to be reminded. It's part of the reason that we meet together. So, that's the sun. The sun provides energy for the earth, right? Take the sun away. What happens to all of our plants? They're dead, okay? God's love fuels your walk with him. The, the knowledge of that, the knowledge of God's love fuels your walk. So if we're on that path, we're following Jesus, we're introducing people to him, we're like, okay, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. And then you're like, you know what, man, I'm freaking tired. What's going on? What am I missing? When's the last time you thought about God's love for you? Because you need to be reminded of it. Because it's a really big deal. And to the mind of a human being, it makes almost no sense at all. Let's keep going. Chapter 4, verse 13. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So when we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us, God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. The big section of this passage is in those first four words. By this we know. We know that we abide with God, right? This is how you can know it. Remember that John is writing to this group who's got all kinds of perverted messages going around, right? They don't, people are trying to say that Jesus came but Jesus came spiritually. He didn't come physically. That's one of the messages that they were hearing, right? Why is that a problem? Because if Jesus didn't come physically as a human being, his sacrifice didn't mean anything because that blood did, was not sinless. He came as a man. And while he was a man, he led a sinless life. So if they try to take that gospel and just tweak it, 
in a way that you don't necessarily think is that big a deal initially. But if you miss it, now the whole gospel's changed. And he's pointing out to them, no, 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 hold on. I walked with this guy. I lived with this guy. I know this guy. And how do you know? Because you didn't walk with him. You didn't live with him. Oh, you know because he has given us his spirit. The Holy Spirit seals us. We get that from God. And we know that whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, verse 15, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. Because the assurance comes from God that we're on the right path. So think back to us walking along that path. We're a church family together following Jesus' example. Right? We're empowered by the, his love pointing us down this path. And now we're going, we're going, we're going. And then sometimes it's like, oh man, are we going the right direction? The Holy Spirit, that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. And the Holy Spirit is directing us. And if we're listening, we can follow him. Walking in the love of God, our confidence grows, verse 17. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in the world. So we've, we've seen this graphic a few times, right? Let's unpack it real quick, right? So remember, you have this idea of unbelief to belief, and then you have this kind of y-axis deal where it goes, there's this idea of, okay, from, when I go from unbelief into belief, I'm beginning to obey, I'm beginning to follow, right? I'm no longer moving from disobedience, I'm moving to obedience. But then it's a bigger deal when we move past obedience and disobedience into walking in love, walking in light. It's a whole different deal. Parents think about when your kid cleans their room because you asked them to, but they're super upset the entire time. Yes, it got done, but was that in love? Not so much. There's a lot of Christians following God with a bad look on their face because they're frustrated about what God has for us, right? Because we're not walking in love. We're not empowered by the love of God changing us and reminding us of what he did for us. Can't miss that. Final section, verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God, must also love his brother. Fear. Picture yourself on that path. You're with your church family. You're following Jesus together. But you're in the wilderness. And there's animals. And it gets dark. And it gets scary. And times are hard. There's a lot going on. All the time, there's a lot going on. Amen? Like, all the time. One of the things you start to learn, as I'm starting to get a little bit older, something I realized, there's always something going on. This idea that it's like, oh, it's a big deal now. No, it's been a big deal since like forever. There's always something going on. So you're walking along this path and it's hard and there's stuff going wrong. It's not going the way that you wanted it to. There's relationship frustration sometimes. There's all of this stuff that's happening. 
and fear can creep in. But what does he say in verse 18? There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Now, what is the perfect love? What God did for us, right? That casts out fear. So go back to that idea of God's love empowering us and fueling us. Because if we're not being changed and renewed constantly about that understanding of what God did for us, fear's going to take us over, man. Fear's going to crush us. But if we're constantly renewed, reminding one another, praying for one another, lifting one another up, and pointing out the fact that God loved you so much that before creation existed, he knew of every sin you would ever do and said, I'm still going to pay for it. Every single one. There's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. So when we go to seek our neighbors, when we go to invite our neighbors to meet and follow Jesus, we all know the fears. We all know the concerns. We all know, what if they ask us this question about that? What about that? We all, we, all, we all know the concerns that we have, right? But if it's put on with the perspective of the God of the universe loved you so much that he met your need of salvation, that casts out fear. Not some mantra. Not having the right mindset. Not some evangelism strategy. John doesn't worry about any of that stuff. John says, love one another. That's what he says. He continues that our relationships are now to be managed by God. Right? The idea that our relationships are all to be put through the filter of God and what it is he's doing. Now, I, I know the image of a firefighter running into the, a burning building can be, be very cliche. I get it. But think for a second about what that actually means. That's someone putting themselves on the line to run into a building to get someone else because they value that person enough to say that I'm going to sacrifice myself. God calls us to walk the path Jesus walked. God calls us to put aside the comforts that we would want if it would be something that would hold us back from reaching people with the gospel message of Jesus. Walk that path. Because that path with him goes through the wilderness. And there's a bunch of people on the sidelines. And for, from their perspective, it seems fine. It seems like they know what they're doing. But they're watching us and they think, those are some weirdos. I don't get it at all. But introduce them to the love that God has for us. Closing it up, some questions, right? What message are we and or our neighbors following? How have you interacted with God's love of you recently? And are you running to our neighbors or from them? Love runs to, fear runs away. God ran towards us. He calls us to do the same. So let's take a few minutes now and think about what God has for us. And we'll continue from there.